Welcome to 1001 Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Hey, Ben. Hey, Nick. Uh, one of the dangers of reading these same bedtime stories over and over again, uh, I think, lies in the fact that children's stories tend to replace whatever resides in the usual spot in my head where pop culture references are supposed to go in a useful way. So <laughs> I feel like the sort of thing happens where I'm trying to explain how my sewer main backed up and then the first image that I have to, to call upon is a scene from dragons love tacos or something like that, which <laughs> isn't doesn't, doesn't always fly, but I know that you're right there with me because we've been talking yes. about these so long. So I figured maybe we do a few unusual trios or books that remind us of other books that you wouldn't ordinarily think uh, would, would be lumped into a category together. So um, we've got, Three trios, so I figured we'd, let's just let's just rattle them off. Let's what do, do it. You, what do you think? So, uh, in terms of books, how would you describe this? Books with a young, plucky heroine—is that a description that, that that fits or irrepressible? What's so the, the books are the little engine that could brave Irene and Olivia, mm-hmm. and how, how do you feel like those the protagonists of those books are all similar? Yeah, like a spunky perseverance kind of yeah. or something uh yeah definitely perseverance is sort of a thing and but kind of a yeah strong personality strong will but but it's it's one of those it's strong will in the sense that sometimes when uh people are talking about your kids or about their kids they'll say oh i mean they have just such a strong will but you know that's going to serve them <laughs> really well later in life to have that kind of strong will they're not going to be persuaded and I think that that's true, but as a parent, it, that is definitely the kind of thing that is both reassuring and makes you roll your eyes. But that's but that's kind of evident, especially with Olivia. And maybe it, yeah. I'm thinking of Olivia a lot just because right now uh, Cordelia wants needs to hear that every night. That's that's <laughs> that's these stories. We might do more than one, but we hear it. And so she's even taken to uh, you know that scene in Olivia where Olivia's looking at the at the painting. Oh yeah, wistfully. And then it, it, she will just stop and she will like look off into space and that's, she'll, she'll strike the same pose. Sort of. I love it. But yeah, uh, the, the, the other thing about these three too, it, it, I think is that it's, they're all like defying expectations or stereotypes. Right. Right. So the little engine, is, she's just the one who like moves trains around, but she ends up doing the, the job that a, a normal engine would do. That, the, the, Brave the, the Irene. Big, yeah. The big engine refused to do it. The rusty engine, you know, didn't think that, that, and handle it, and then, uh, yeah, Brave Irene made it through the snow and the blizzard, sort of overcame. Taking Olivia, her mom's job, right? The, doing yeah, what doing her mom, doing the, doing. yeah, doing an older person's job. Olivia, right. uh, like when you you see her practicing sandcastles, then it cuts to the one that she made, and it's the Empire State <laughs> Building. So once again, it's this, or very, even just like appreciating like art, you know, yeah, like fine art, art and opera, like it's loving, very like, like precocious, right? Right. Yeah. So all of these have a kind of precocity precociousness yeah but i think once again it's 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 their uh precocious and strong will but in all the positive ways and not mm. uh, sometimes kids 
like it's well, so and so is a, a know it all, or they're too independent, or they're they're disobedient, or but this is very much shows the flip side, and it's 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 the, right. the virtues of fortitude and attentiveness, you know, and and uh, initiative. So uh, I don't know, they're they're great. Yeah, I, I, I love rec- them. Rec- rec- recommend all of them. If uh, if Cordelia ever needs some extra Olivia in her life, I am always down to read Olivia. I'm always the one who's like, the girls are bringing books. I'm like, no, 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 we're gonna read Olivia. I feel no, like no. reading Olivia tonight. <laughs> I will say that it's it's one of those things where the, the, it's the stars long as I do not mind uh, reading Olivia, yeah. and this is more than any other book, at least for her. This is the one that she is liked the most consistently for just weeks and weeks and weeks oh, and wow. weeks and weeks. Yeah. And so, it, so you know, in the last month I've read it, if there's 30 days in the month, I've read it 30 times or less. <laughs> there was even one time when Chelsea, Cordelia found Chelsea and was like, I, I need, or Olivia read to me. And, and Chelsea said, oh, has dad not read that to you? And Delia kind of looked shifty. <laughs> 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 Very clear that she was trying to double dip. <laughs> but, so what do you think about this next trio, which is books that are, that we thought were visually similar? Um, library lion and waiting and wonderful things you will be like how would you describe beyond for bright pastel primary colors what makes these books look kind of similar they're all they're all all very distinctive so it's a little bit like saying well uh, like you know eric carl books are are colorful so they're very similar to little blue truck because that's a truck that's blue but so so obviously you would not mistake one of these for another in terms of stuff but they are they they do put off similar vibes like what do you yeah so i think about this mostly in ter- and i'm i'm not like an, an illustrator or an artistic person so I'm, I'm totally making this stuff up but it feels to me like th- these are very quietly colorful books yeah. is like the phrase i have in my head that they're they're not so when people when you think of primary colors you have to like everything any kind of company or product that is oriented toward like school age kids is like primate the logos are all primary colors so like bright yellow bright blue bright uh Red? Is that the other one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they're very bright and they're very appealing and they're very attention grabbing. But like, honestly, they're kind of intense. Like when everything is brought, like, I don't know how elementary school teachers do it with like primary colors everywhere. It's, it's a little overwhelming. Um, it, that's like the flip side of them being stimulating and attention grabbing. But all three of these books, to me, they, they are, they, they all seem very colorful, but they also feel colorful in a quiet, mellow calming yeah. kind of way subdued so, yes subdued but in a like with with no negative connotation to that right. word just a very like reflective maybe calm yeah maybe reflective um but i, I feel like i open these books and i i literally feel like i get calmer when these books open up and and, and that makes sense because it's one book's about waiting patiently for things another <laughs> book is about the library which is supposed to be a a calm place and then and one of the things you will be is about sort of musing on the potential of of children and so it's this it, it, it's it's a but not in this kind of like frenetic like my right. kid's gonna be an architect and a doctor and i know i've right. got the plan and not like harvard stressful, and then, but it's like oh yeah, yeah there's they could be all know, sorts of things and they could like, be also on all of all of which could be like all, like wonderful, wonderful possibilities yeah no yeah right. no, no pressure no pressure yeah so there's a kind of wait and see uh, what unfolds yeah right and even though the the plots and the the topics of the books are very very different yeah they all have this the the feeling of all those books is this kind of like it, it's very yeah reflective kind of slow like pause and like appreciate something 
And the, I feel like the visual style, the color palettes in particular, are reflective of that, right? That they sort of draw you into that uh, mindset or mood or whatever that is. Yeah, well, I mean, I think all of them feel very, and, and this is something we say about lots of children's books, but feel very deliberately done. I mean, I think, so I, I read one interview with the author of Waiting, and he had experimented, originally he was going to uh, photograph clay sculptures and like have oh. that like, hmm. have that involved, but then that didn't really achieve the fact that, so he really tried a few things out before selling on the, the, the format that he went with. And um, I think it, yeah, I think it, he achieves that kind of meditative, uh, but still like it's, I, I feel like meditative and cheery are not always things that you, that you imagine to be paired together, but yeah. all, all three of these books managed to do that pretty well, which is, it's hard to pull that off, but right. yeah. Yeah. And I like your point too about um, deliberateness. Like, I mean, everybody who publishes a children's book, obviously they care about different parts of their book, but it, it really feels like in these three, there was like a super tight sort of synergy between the, the, the visual style really is one and the same with the, the content yeah. of the story. And like, those really need to be supportive of each other. It's not just like, here's the story, like come up with some cool pictures for right. it. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. So I, I really, and I, I don't know, personally, I always just really resonate with that in, you know, in any kind of, like in movies when, uh, when the, the director is also the, the script writer, you know, in the, when there's that kind of like, yeah, unity of vision across the different um, yeah. parts of the, of the art. I, I just think that's really cool. Yeah. It's that in itself can feel kind of restful where there's not, you don't feel that, that things are, it's not at war with itself where there's a, you know, a couple different visions. Um, and you know, it's, it's nice when when one aspect of the bedtime routine can be relaxing. You know? <laughs> it really you is. Know, there's plenty of things in our house where we really feel like we're not in sync. There's not in sync necessarily. Okay, so this is this is this last one is maybe our, my favorite uh, trio category, which is, I guess you could describe it as books about animals that really appreciate food. Food. Like, like, <laughs> really appreciate feasts. Um I love so, and, and the, the 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 books would be uh, the Very Hungry Caterpillar, the Wind the Willows, and uh, Brian Jake's Redwall series. I I love listicles, and one of my uh, favorite listicles that I've, I've come across was uh, the Seven Best Feasts from the Redwall books, and the way that they make <laughs> yeah, on on electricliterature.com. And one of the ways that they open things up is they say the greatest comfort food isn't the Thanksgiving dinner you're missing. It's in these children's books about talking mice, which I thought actually, <laughs> but like, so here's, here's, here's one from, this isn't from Web, Redwall, but it's from one of the other ones. And it, it, it goes, it was a joyous meal for honest creatures. Dishes were passed to be shared, both sweet and savory. October ale and strawberry cordial, tarts, pies, flans, puddings served out, replaced by fresh delights from Redwall's kitchens, turnovers, trifles, breads, fondants, salads, pasties, and cheeses, alternated with beakers of green sap milk, mint tea, rose hip cup, and elderberry wine. I feel like mm. I just remember as a kid <laughs> reading these books and opening up the fridge and just thinking, Mom, what do where's I have? the elderberry wine? <laughs> where's the elderberry wine? Yeah. Where are the candy chestnuts? Do you. Are there any? This is just sort of a side note. Are, are there any books or movies that make that have successfully prompted you to get a snack or a drink or something? Oh, good question. Are there really? There, there's a in the Neverending Story, he <laughs> makes himself a sandwich in the in, 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 yeah. in the middle of the movie, and that 
Yeah. It just seems so appealing and cozy. It does make a regular old sandwich I will, seem really I have, good. I've watched that and stopped it and got up and made myself a sandwich and then kind of cozied up. Um, I'm a anyway, big... But, I'm I'm very deliberate about like if I'm gonna watch a movie, I'm getting my dessert ahead of time. Like oh, I'm, so there's I'm no getting like my you're not you're not being reminded midway through the you dessert. You're already you're, you have it. I've in already hand. stuffed my face, so I don't. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good example though. The the um, the running um, story. Yeah, and the sandwich thing. I deliberately remember remember that as a kid, like kind of thinking like, hey, I wish I just had a cool sandwich I could pull out of my you know bag or whatever and lunch on in the attic. We didn't have an attic. Oh well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, if, if you had, you probably would have <laughs> probably would have made that sandwich. One of my favorite lines ever from the wind in the wind of the maybe ever, but it comes from the wind in the willows. Is this? Um, there's a line where Toad is described. Toad's been in. I think he's been in jail. He's been in prison for you know weeks or whatever. And finally, the the jailer's daughter brings starts bringing him some food, yeah. and it's it, he's describing the toast that's got these like porous kind of holes in them and how the like the generous amounts of butter are dripping through the holes. And yeah, mm. the no, to- I, mean, I think the line is uh, that that toast simply spoke to toad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's it. So uh, another line from uh, there's this part when rat has one of his many picnics and, and Mo asks mm. him what, what's in there. And it's one, it's one word that it's all, all together. So every, oh, yeah. uh, it's all the food. So it's, it, it's cold tongue, cold ham, cold beef, pickled gherkins, salad, French rolls, crust sandwiches, potted meat, ginger beer, lemonade, soda water. And that's all one word. He says it all in a rush. And I, I try and read it all in a rush, but it, it, it's hard to do. It's super hard. And, and then Mole's response to that is, oh, stop, stop, cried the Mole in ecstasies. <laughs> this is too much. But there, but there is that sense. And, and also, so I, I don't know why. Uh, I mean, it makes sense for a lot of reasons that, that, that animals are the protagonists in children's books because kids – love animals but the fact that these animals love food is something that if you've owned a pet also really resonates like animals just the the way they look at the way that your dog or cat looks at the the, the food being served there is this adoration but that is something that you that i felt myself and so it really i I really i I really feel the vibes that they're putting out you know when (laughs) when they have that expression and this it, it, it it's really communicated in these books so, yeah, and it really, it's funny how I don't think of myself as like a foodie or, or a particular a person who's especially interested in food, but I am always drawn to these like these passages where that clearly the author and the characters really care about, um, really care about food. There's some, it almost feels kind of primal, like there's something in us, like in animals that really gravitates to that. <laughs> One of our other... eat, we haven't mentioned the very hungry caterpillar yet, but mm. when like I... Every time I read it, and he has he he has that Saturday or whatever it is where he eats all the different things, the cupcakes and the and the salami and the lollipops, and and then the next day he just has one green leaf and, and feels better. I've I was like that does sound like it'd be like I've definitely overeaten and thinking maybe I'll just have a little bit of some some green stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Settle yeah, down. That's uh Evangeline's really into the Very Hungry Caterpillar these days, so that's it's been fun for that one to kind of come back into the limelight for us. Do uh, do your kids have a sense that 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 the kind of the gorge at the end seems too much? Like, is it like, or is it just wow, that's so much candy, that's really exciting or interesting? Or I don't think they get it. I I, I don't have a sense that they understand that sort of distinction. How about yours? No, I don't. Yeah. I think that they and I try and keep like oh, that they. This is this is you know 
like he's overdoing this is too too many sweets and they're like why and so well he kind of feels bad the next day he's got a tummy ache and he's like i can just tell them thinking well it's probably <laughs> probably i don't it's, it's, <laughs> I wonder if that's a sign that I'm, I'm like an overly controlling parent that I haven't let my kids experience the like the classic Easter Sunday thing where I just let them gorge on as much chocolate as they want and then they have right. this horrific stomach ache and well, maybe you know I'm depriving them of life lessons. Well, I don't know. That's um, you know that's why I don't like candy. We, have we, have we oh about yeah, this yeah. Where I had a my our family had a, a Christmas boot with all the the chocolates and candies mixed together and for the whole family for the whole season it was you're supposed to get a pass yeah. by and. Have one, and then I ate the whole thing in one sitting, and threw up, and then just turned my back on candy. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, I yeah, I can see that. It's sort of a if food only trauma, I'd had just that know? one green leaf afterwards. You know, <laughs> that, that little bushel of and kale. Then, then I would have then I would have emerged from my cocoon. As, as, as if you enjoyed this episode, check out our other content at one thousand and one goodnights.com. And help us out with a rating on your podcast platform of choice.